Hey everyone, it's your favorite wizard, Devin Person, and I'm here to tell you about an exciting offer from Stamps.com. Psych. Since this isn't actually a podcast, but is in fact a magic ritual disguised as a podcast, this podcast as a ritual will never accept advertisements. This is about connecting with each other, sharing ideas, and experiencing magic, and those values can't and won't be dirtied by paid promotions. But, If you enjoy this ritual and want to participate in our goal of creating a slightly better future, I'm here for that, which is why I'm stoked to introduce a new content series exclusively for our Patreon participants. Up until now, we've had a few guest segments and a little bit of bonus content here and there on the Patreon because my hands were pretty full with putting out a weekly podcast. But as we enter year two, that's changing. For those of you kind enough to offer some of your energy and support to this podcast as a ritual, I'm excited to share deep dives on my wizardry, mythology, and personal magic practice. Our first piece is now live at patreon.com slash this podcast is a ritual, and it's all about gnomes, our fellow pointed, capped, and bearded comrades in arms. There's so much amazing stuff in gnome mythology, from Paracelsus to Amelie, and the gnomes are excited to share their magic with you. So if you've been enjoying this podcast and want to activate your own magical role in the ritual, please go to patreon.com slash this podcast is a ritual, sacrifice $4.20, and tune into the mythomagical power of the the gnomes. There's nothing more personal than diet, and there's no other topic that so quickly provokes a defense of our individual autonomy. Nobody wants someone else telling them what they can and can't eat. And that's understandable. But underneath the surface, hidden in the shadows, there is a vast conspiracy that does exactly that. They tell you what to eat, when to eat, and control your very access to the foods that keep you alive. And these sinister forces are often the ones behind those individualist arguments, promoting the idea that it's your God-given right to drink 172 ounces of carbonated corn syrup whenever you feel like it. Which creates a strange paradox. Is the liberatory response one that promotes food awareness and suggests we seek healthy, local, and perhaps even non-animal-dependent food sources? Or is that just what the elites want you to think? And true freedom resides in chowing down burgers and guzzling Coca-Cola if that's just what you feel like doing. After all, it's your body. And what about exercise? Modern consumer culture simultaneously forces us into a sedentary posture while pushing an endless stream of impossibly fit human ideals into our eyeballs. 
Do we stop comparing ourselves to paper-thin models and embrace our bodies as they are? Or is finding ways of engaging our physical form into fitness a revolutionary stance against couch-locked Netflix marathons? It's a hard fucking question. As a wizard who suffered from a debilitating knee condition for over a decade, which kept me far, far away from anything resembling exercise, and as someone who's been an on-and-off-again vegetarian since I was 14, it's a question I'm intimately acquainted with. And there are no easy answers. All of our bodies are unique combinations of genetic legacy and personal choice, bombarded by an onslaught of capitalist propaganda designed to make you feel like you'll never be good enough, while reminding you that a triple bacon cheeseburger is only $3.99. And we'll all be the first to poo-poo any magic is mastery of thine will extremism, I do think it comes down to two questions. How do you feel? And what are you willing to do to feel better? Which is why I'm excited to have Rich Sabata, founder of Bodega Body, join in our ritual. Rich grew up in the Bronx, part of a community that was largely cut off from affordable sources of healthy food, and struggled with his own weight as a part of that. Rich's journey towards feeling better in his body has seen him embrace veganism, fitness, and a desire to help anyone else struggling with what to eat and what to do to feel better. But at that same time, I love that Rich doesn't propose a one-size-fits-all solution and has a great respect for the many ways individuals can answer, for themselves, how to eat and exercise. All right, Rich. I am ready for you to pump this ritual up. <laughs> Our magic is going to get lean and fit. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get It's going to get fiery. Fiery. Ooh, I like it. So what's our magic word going to be today? Well, in sort of line with fire, the magic word for today is ignition. Ignition. All right. Let's get this remix going. One, two, three. Ignition. Ignition. Rev up the engine and take the wheel. Let's go, Rich. Yeah. So Bodega Body. I want to just dive right into sure. the origin yeah. story of how you came to create this and where the inspiration came from. Just uh, take us back to where it all began. Yeah, I mean, to talk about Bodega Body, to talk about how I got there, to how I created the the site, I really kind of have to start with my weight loss journey. Please. So um, roughly three years ago, actually, around this time, uh, I was incredibly depressed. I was about 334 pounds, give or take, on a good day, depending, mm-hmm. you know, what, what I eat and stuff. Uh, and I was gearing up for my brother's wedding. My brother was getting married summer of 2017. And he sort of jokingly told me, hey, you know, are you going to get into tuxedo shape? And... You know, me and my brother always have had this sort of friendly competition between us. And, you know, he he told me, you know, are you going to get into tuxedo shape? Are you going to sort of get fit for my wedding? This is like your one chance to do something. And he was kind of just like, you know, boasting me mm-hmm. into into it. So was he in good shape? He was always relatively in good shape. My, yeah. my brother, uh, you know, he grew up 
doing karate. He always played sports. He was always super mm-hmm. into basketball. So he was always sort of the more athletic one. And mm-hmm. I was, you know, always sort of the chunky one. I was always the sort of lovable, funny one who yeah. would like sit in the corner and like was kind of shy, but was also, you know, pretty not very active at all. Yeah. Um. So when, you know, he he sort of boasted me into this, I was like, okay, maybe. And I found myself one night sitting in my bedroom. I was living in Harlem at the time and I had just eaten an entire pizza. Uh, I was broke. So I was drinking uh, a uh, Limerita by oh, myself. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I was like, I just wanted to get drunk. So and right. I was like by myself. I had just gone through this like insane depression where I the girl I thought I was going to marry and I had just broken up. And I just wanted to get drunk. I was smoking. I just probably one of the lower points of my life. I mean, you already painted the picture when you said Lima Rita. We, yeah. every, everyone listening was like, ooh, yeah. ooh, yeah. That's the taste of rock bottom right yeah. there. <laughs> Lima Rita is the taste of rock bottom. That um, should be their slogan. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I had had sort of this pivotal moment where I was like, what are you doing here? Like, what? this isn't making you happy. This isn't making you feel good. Um, and it wasn't this thing where all of a sudden I became fitness guru overnight. Right. Yeah. Like I was lightning strikes and you look right. in the mirror and you are Charles Atlas. Yeah. Right. No, I was saying, okay, I need some kind of way to feel good. I want to feel good. And alcohol wasn't doing that for me. Mm-hmm. Marijuana wasn't doing that for me. Entire pizzas weren't doing it. Yeah, pizzas weren't doing it for me. So I went on a journey to try to figure out a way to feel better. Um, So sort of at the same time that I was challenged by my brother, I found myself in a place where I needed something to help me feel better. Um, So I had already kind of had a gym membership that like, (laughs) <laughs> some people do this where and you know especially when you don't know much about working out and stuff sometimes you like keep a gym membership saying yeah i'm gonna go one day yeah. uh and i had sort of done a similar thing where i had this sort of like rolling gym membership that i was paying but i was never really showing up for i'd go maybe like once every three or four months to say i did something mm-hmm. uh so i was like okay you know what next week i'm gonna start going to the gym and i started going one time a week mm-hmm. and then I started going two times a week and then I started going three times a week and I was like okay we're we're getting into this routine this feels nice I slowly started to realizing I don't really like people all that much yeah. and gyms at around six o'clock during the weekdays are packed to the brim mm-hmm. so I was like okay where am I going to sort of lose the people so turns out that time is at around five six a.m. yeah so I started showing up to my gym at around 5, 6 a.m. And I noticed it was empty. And at that time, it was just me. It was the music in my headphones. And it was the focus on trying to do things that made me feel better. And at first, I didn't necessarily know what I was doing. Like, I tried running on a treadmill. I realized as a 334-pound man, it's going to hurt your knees a little bit. Yes. Um. So I decided that's not where we're going to start. So I transitioned over to the elliptical. I 
didn't really know what I was doing with weights. So I'd use some of those like weight machines. Eventually I got to a point where I was scouring the internet, trying to find things that like were bro sciency about, you know, how to work out your biceps, how to work out your chest, how to work out your legs. And I, which is so hard, I find because it's, it's one of those areas of the internet. There's a lot of these, but it's fitness is one in particular that is so overwhelming. Yeah. I think there's a problem with hyperlinking where you're like reading one article and then it says, go read this article, go read this article, this article. And then you have like 12 tabs open and you're like, well, I guess I have to get on a keto diet and do kettlebell squats to do anything i'm overwhelmed yeah and i think that like that was a part of the the i guess difference about my focus at the time where i thought to myself okay i wasn't necessarily making changes in my diet Mm -hmm. i at first was like i just want to learn how to work out yes um i want to learn what i'm doing and so i'd say on a you know tuesday night i'd say okay tomorrow i want to work out my chest Mm. so i'd look up you know five or six things i could do for my chest the next day uh and so on and so forth throughout the rest of the body parts come my brother's wedding i uh had lost around 40 pounds and this was my brother's wedding was in July, so from around beginning of February through July, I'd lost around 40 pounds, which was insane. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, people were noticing the sort of differences that were happening. And I was like, okay, I'm feeling better. I'm losing weight. This is good. Fast forward to now and fast forward to about a year ago when I first launched Bodega Body, I realized kind of what you just said there's a lot of information out there around health around fitness and there's a lot of exaggeration there's a lot of sort of claims around what things what things are possible well there's a lot of people that are selling you things which is is, is a problem if you're trying to go into an information sphere and people have a motive which is to extract money from you then it's hard where you're reading like is this a genuine yeah. article or is this an article that's actually somebody's content marketing strategy to get me to buy their uh, whey protein supplements right exactly and you know i decided okay i need to think about who i was when i was 334 pounds mm-hmm. i was a kid from a poor neighborhood in the south bronx who had never learned a single thing about what to eat to eat healthy. I'd never learned a single thing about a, a workout. I all I knew was that I was big and I didn't want to be big, but I also wanted to be happy. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to create a space and a, you know, for lack of a better terms, website. The marketer in me is wants to say content mm-hmm. hub. Um to say a resource. Yeah, you know, resource. I wanted to give people the sort of thing that's going to cut through the BS mm-hmm. um, and to come from a place of someone who's been there and someone who, you know, has figured some things along the way, someone who's made mistakes along the way, uh, because there were plenty of bumps in that journey. There were plenty of things that I did wrong. And there's things that I think about that I, that I did at first that I would never do now. Yeah. Uh, there are, are things that are valuable lessons that I learned, but you know, there there are lessons that I can hopefully share with someone else. So my my goal now that that I'm in a shape where I'm I'm pretty satisfied with where I am for the most part, 
I want to. Yeah, you don't pass look like you weigh 334 pounds. I do not. Though. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, at this point, I've lost around 120 to 130 pounds, yeah. um, and I want to share that information. I want to share that knowledge with people, and I want to give the the riches of back in the day mm-hmm. a opportunity to say, you know, you don't have to pay a personal trainer a hundred bucks an hour to be able to figure this out. And and you don't necessarily have to spend, you know, uh, 300 bucks a month on fancy supplements and the, the craziest of crazy ingredients in order to be able to get healthy. And what you said at the beginning too, is that you started by going to the gym one day a week. Yeah. Cause I think that's the other thing is that you talk to most of the fitness guru type people and they're like, here's this regimen that's, you know, this day you're going to do this, this day you're going to do that. You're spending an hour and a half in the gym per day, blah, blah, blah. And I think that's really intimidating for a lot of people. Me, I'm talking about me. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, I think that's a very nice way to reflect on your own journey and then create those steps that you were looking for when you were first um, starting out. Yeah, and I think that, like, that's really the main theme of my journey. It's slow, gradual changes. It's finding the little things that you can tweak over time, making the little adjustments that you can make over time, ones that are going to be sustainable for you, right? Mm -hmm. Because you can go on a crash diet for a month, yeah, right? And maybe you'll lose 10 pounds. Maybe you'll lose more, maybe you'll lose less. And the moment that that diet is over, that moment that that crash diet is over, you never really changed anything. Yeah, You kind of go back to the behavior that you were in before. You go back to the habits that you were in before. And you end up in this place where you're like, oh man, this diet didn't work. It must have been the diet. And you're not really tackling the fundamental thing that you could have changed in your behavior. And I think moderation is hard. I think with like, there's so many things that I can white knuckle for a month, like, you know, easy to just, you know, power through and not, you know, going to log out of Facebook completely and not look at it. But then when you get back on, it's like, well, how do I turn this into a healthy habit and not? backslide like it's easier to avoid something completely than it is to be like oh this is a special occasion but like tomorrow at two in the afternoon not a special occasion like not gonna do it then right yeah and it's one of those things where you know it's all about habit right and it's all about the tolerance you build around your specific behaviors and it works in both ways right like the 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 amount of sugar i used to be able to have in in something is not the amount of sugar i can tolerate now like today i'll i'll order if i were to order like my coffee drink from whatever coffee shop that i used to have back then i would like feel like i'm having a cavity Mm -hmm. you know what i mean i i would feel like I'm about to lose a tooth because of how much sugar used to be in it. I don't want to, I don't want to get, you know, I don't want to put on my tinfoil hat and get too off the rails sure. here, but sugar is, is, is a really crazy one. I read uh, the book, the case against sugar last okay. year. It's a fantastic book. And he lays out a very compelling case for both the effects that sugar has on our diet and the way that the sugar industry has kept us from coming to those conclusions. And one of the things that I thought was particularly uh, just both insidious and sort of a fluke of history was for a long time there's this uh, calorie Mm -hmm. theory that like fat people are fat because they eat too many calories Mm -hmm. and they don't spend enough energy and then therefore they're fat and Mm -hmm. it's it's pretty inherently fat shaming because if you see a fat person you think oh that person's just eating 40 pizzas a day and never goes anywhere when that's actually often not nutrition is a lot more complicated than that and the doctors that were really pursuing that line of thinking about um, the metabolic system were all in europe Mm -hmm. in the 30s right 
and we're really getting interesting results and really starting to crack some of this stuff. And then Europe in the 40s <laughs> was not an easy time to be doing science. And right. so all of that stuff kind of got swept away. And this uh, caloric model that there was a lot of flaws in and people were you know, running into issues with just maintained dominance. Yeah. And like the problem with, with calories, like, look, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. the... If I want to summarize weight loss Uh in general, yes, you should burn more calories than you are inputting Mm -hmm. at the baseline. But the problem is, is that there are so many different layers to what that means. Yes. And you can technically eat 2,000 calories worth of Oreos and still be under your caloric need for the day. Yeah. But that's not necessarily going to be the best thing for you. Yeah, your you. eyes will melt out of your face. <laughs> so, you know, there's there's a whole lot more that goes into sort of that perspective of things. And look, I as a full-time marketer, part of me is like, well, it's not necessarily all the advertising. Part of this is people wanted this to a certain degree. Yeah. But... There's also a fundamental lack of education that people have received along the way. And there's a, um, you know, similar to how now on a pack of cigarettes, you have all these warning labels Mm -hmm. around around what those cigarettes can do for you. You are uh, you're not necessarily getting that kind of warning label on a can of Coca-Cola. No. And you aren't necessarily getting the education that is required to know that maybe you should have that Coca-Cola in moderation or maybe not at all because mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff in that Coca-Cola. Yeah. The, and the other part of it is that the, our health system is set up in a way where many times doctors aren't necessarily required to take nutrition classes in their, in their fields of study. Oh, have you ever eaten at a hospital? It's horrible. It's insane. <laughs> it's really, it's really mind boggling that like that, that idea of like, I, like you know, food as medicine just has not broken through no. into those systems. And someone is sick, and they're like, "Great, here's a piece of limp white bread." Right. Like, here's a feel piece better, of, and here's baloney with it, and here's some baloney with it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and and like, they are uh, the medical system is always, you know, without getting too political. In some ways, they get political. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are in some ways rewarded for treating disease. Yes. They are not rewarded for preventing disease. Right. And they're not teaching you how to prevent that disease. The number one killer in America isn't terrorists. It's not people crossing the border. It's heart disease. Mm -hmm. And it's heart disease that stems from the way we eat, the way we live. And it's, it stems from just a complete fundamental lack of education. And if, People sort of understood that there was a killer out there that is killing around 400,000 people a year, and they really understood what that meant. They'd be a whole lot mad, more mad about the heart disease than they are some dude in some foreign country that might not actually get to you because we spend so much money on, on defense. Have you ever heard of the Heart Attack American Grill, I think it's called? No, I haven't. So it's a restaurant. I, maybe it has more than one location. It has one in Las Vegas, yeah. which is the like... The end of the line right. for uh, American vice uh, just you know 100%. just drives you straight there, and then they throw your body in a heap in the desert behind it. And the heart attack grill is by this guy who, like, I think it's this sort of libertarian vibe where he like doesn't want you know 
these liberals to tell anybody what to do, blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, doesn't trust the medical establishment. And so all of the burgers, like the number of patties, it's like the single bypass, the triple bypass, the quadruple bypass. If you're over 350 pounds, you get to eat for free. The waitresses are dressed like nurses. It's this whole weird like fetishization of like... I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. I don't yeah. want some hippie making me eat kale. So I'm going to prove fuck them by like overdoing yeah. it. It's yeah. it's it's bananas. Well, and there's, you know, I've, I've heard plenty of people tell me like, Rich, mm. I want to be fat and happy. Right. And I, I think part of, part of what comes with that is this insinuation that I'm miserable. Mm-hmm. And that the way I'm eating and behaving is making me miserable. That when, you're an ascetic and you're giving up the the fruits of life to, right. to do this. Yeah. And it's actually quite the opposite, right? Mm-hmm. Like that moment, thinking back to my bedroom, is when I realized, no, I want to live. Mm-hmm. I want to live a strong life. I want to uh, live a fruitful life. I want to live my life to its fullest. And as someone who comes from a family with a history of diabetes, mm-hmm. with a history of heart disease, it comes from a Latin American culture where a lot of our food isn't necessarily the best. You're almost... Oh, it's pretty tasty. Sort of, oh, it's delicious. <laughs> it's wonderful. I Listen, yeah. I get, I completely understand. As a, as a former fat kid, yeah. I completely get why fried things taste good. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you're almost sort of set up to fail. Totally, uh, and you're you're almost sort of set up that you you can't be successful. And look, today I, I'm a lot happier than I was at, at that point in my life. And you know, I use health and fitness now to manage my emotions, to manage my downs. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, still go through swings of depression all the time. But when I'm down, I don't necessarily shovel a pint of ice cream. I'm going for a run or I am going to go weightlift. I'm going to find a way to burn that energy in a way that will be more productive for me. I I am 34 years old and I like only just recently started to crack this code of like, oh, when I'm depressed and all I want to do is like order like the most intensely unhealthy food I can get and binge watch TV, that doesn't get me out of that. Like right. I used to have this attitude of like, I'm feeling like shit. There's nothing else I right. can do. I got to just lean into it. And then I've started to realize that I'm like, like, I am not a gym rat. I am. I'm still. I'm still at the very beginning of my own fitness journey. Uh, let's let's say it that way. But um, just starting to realize that, like, yeah, going there's a gym around the corner, and yeah. like going and hitting that stairmaster for like 20 minutes is a lot more helpful for my mood swings than just giving in and being like, oh, I'm just gonna binge watch Netflix tonight. Yeah, like, and like, there's almost this like weird like almost self-punishing that that I've realized now around eating that pint of ice cream or what that pint of ice cream is going to do to you. You're almost self-harming in a way. Uh, But most people don't realize that at first, right? They're just looking for that one thing that like tastes delicious that might take their mind off of the, the the one thing that's making them sad. And I think what, what's really sort of insidious about all of this and it's, it's at the core, I think is that it's presented as a matter of like, individual choice and willpower um on one hand people are very defensive of like i don't want somebody telling me what to eat i don't want somebody else dictating what i should be doing with my body it's my choice and then i think a lot of the companies are like well you can't tell people what to eat this is what they want to eat right but there's so much that's tipping the scale Mm -hmm. you know literally like literally yeah (laughs) (laughs) um that you know 
like food deserts. Yeah. Like there's oh. so many neighborhoods in New York and other places. Drive across the country and try and eat healthy. It's all fast food. It's yeah. it's hard to pull over at a gas station and be like, please, can I have some fresh fruit and a bag of unsalted nuts? Like, Yeah, I mean, like I recently went back to the neighborhood I grew up in and mm-hmm. I tried to go into the grocery store to see, you know, what the access to the best quality of fresh fruits are. It's tough. I like I never realized the the quality of the produce that was around me until I knew what good produce was. Yeah. Until I learned what farm fresh was. And we don't make the good stuff accessible to people because we overprice it. It makes it elite. Yeah. It and makes it like who are these elites eating their kale in Williamsburg to tell me that I shouldn't have a bag of Doritos and Burger King for dinner. Yeah, and like, it, and again, this goes back to the political thing, but we subsidize the corn industry, we yep. subsidize the dairy industry to the point where we are encouraging companies to uh, completely cut costs in ways that are going to be detrimental to our health, that's going to be detrimental to the environment, and we are pumping our foods with these things that are filled with hormones mm. all of the time. They are genetically modified. So we still don't even know what those things are doing to our bodies at that point. Yeah. And, you know, sure, you'll have your box of cereal. Your box of cereal will taste delicious. But do you actually know what's in it? Try reading a, 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 an ingredient list on the back of those things. Yeah. And half of those things you won't be able to pronounce. I the, the other day went to uh, the local Whole Foods and to, to get a jar of peanut butter. The one ingredient I saw in it was peanuts. Yeah. And I never realized the value of understanding how to read those things until I'm at the point where I'm at now. Oh, I mean, yeah, peanut butter is a great example of that where why do we overcomplicate it? Like peanut butter. Just peanuts is great. It's, it's delicious. It's delicious. It's fine. And yeah, even at my my work, I had to politely not wanting to be that guy, quote right. unquote. But I had to be like, hey, is it possible for us to order the peanut butter that is just peanuts and not the one that has like all the stuff, all the all the stuff in it, all the sugar in it? And kind of just pointing out like all of the snacks that we have right. have sugar in them in like various right. ways. Um and they were very like, you know, polite and like, oh, like we hadn't even like thought about that. Right. But I was like, yeah, like, you know, trail mix can have raisins and cashews and peanuts yeah. in it. It doesn't need to have 90 percent M&Ms like yeah. that's M&Ms with a few nuts thrown in. Well, and like the even more nuts part, I've been vegan for the last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, did it for health. We can get into that in a second. But one of the things that I realized around going vegan and you're trying to read more and more food labels, you realize, man, we put milk in everything oh yeah it is like such a huge part of the standard american diet and sometimes i'm I'm at a restaurant uh you know somewhere uh usually like when i'm on the road and going Mm. to go visit my mom in charlotte um and you know a salad will be a perfectly fine salad and then they like throw cheese all over it Mm -hmm. and like don't try to take people's cheese away from them because they will chew your arm off oh yeah Oh, it's it, it's like in New York, I think it's easy to just assume that every place in the world has a vegan option, yeah, at least 100%. in the menu and like a couple of vegetarian ones. And then, yeah, you go into a Cracker Barrel and it's like trying to find a vegetarian option is really hard. Yeah. Uh, Lisa, my fiance and I are pescatarian and we were in Kentucky uh, over Thanksgiving and ordered shrimp and grits 
at this place and it came with so much bacon on it. Ooh. And I was like, wow, like you had plenty of descriptive text <laughs> in the menu. Yeah. You didn't think to mention that as like a thing. Right. Um, but yeah, it's just it's it's just very different. Um, I was curious, um, how have you found it um, coming from a community that had this different relationship with food and now being vegan? How have you found going back and interacting with um, with your community? Oh, dude, it's so tough. I when so this past April, I went to go visit my mom for the, for the first time since I had went vegan. And I told her, you know, like, Mom, I'm not eating meat right now. Uh, and I told her this over the phone and she was like, okay, yeah, whatever. Um, and then she realized like, oh, I'm not actually eating meat. Yeah. And she was like, what do I feed you? Yeah. It's like all of a sudden the Latin American woman forgets that rice and beans is a thing. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's crazy that, you know, we think of the, but you eat chicken, right? Like chicken's not a meat. <laughs> but you eat fish, right? Yeah. Fish isn't meat. Yeah. Cause that's also like a cultural thing, right? Yeah. To consider fish a meat, but it's meat. Yeah. Um, and she was kind of just dumbfounded. And there's this uh, great picture that I took of just this ginormous salad plate that she yeah. had put together. And the salad was like cucumbers, spinach, and like a couple peppers. Mm -hmm. And this, that was like the extent of the vegetables that she had at home. But yeah. she she didn't know, right? Yeah. And she didn't know how to, that one, that you can get protein not yeah. from animal products. Oh, yeah. Uh, because that's always a shock for people. That's the big myth, yeah. And the other part of it, she's like... There's protein in broccoli? Right. And she's like, you, mu you must be withering away. Yeah. And then she looked at me. She's like, you look more muscular than the last <laughs> time I saw you. Yeah. I was like, yeah, you can build muscle as a uh, as a vegan. Yeah. And not eat meat. You don't have to... Vegan weightlifters are a thing. Yeah. Th yeah. And that, that was something that I also realized is that there's these like Olympic level athletes that are yeah. out there and they are elite top quality athletes and they're not eating a single thing that has breathed the breath yeah that's amazing yeah um yeah it's it's a very food is such a a, a hot topic because yeah. i think it's very personal yeah and i think it you know i i remember you know my 20s seeing someone trying to quit cigarettes around mm. other people that still smoke cigarettes right. and they're so quick in very subtle ways to pull that person back in. Yeah. If the person's like, ooh, maybe I want to have a smoke and someone's like, no, you've been so good. You've quit for over two months. Don't do that. They're like, ah, oh, let him have it. Let him have it. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And I think people get that same attitude. I was a, a teen vegan in uh, high school mm -hmm. and, you know, all the standard questions of like, if you were on a desert island and there was only cows, would you eat a cow? Right. And it's like, well, I'll, I'll deal. I'll cross that bridge when I come to right. it. And, um, I think that's one of the reasons that like vegan, I mean, there are obnoxious vegans in the world. Like, don't get me wrong. Yeah, like Moby 100%. exists, but uh, <laughs> like there's, there's also just this, I think gut level reaction of like, you think you're better than me. Yes. You're doing something that I don't think I could do. I don't know how to react to that, which doesn't mean that like anyone who decides not to be a vegan is like a wimp and can't cut it. Right. But I think there's this kind of knee jerk reaction that just comes up. So immediately of like, what are you, why are you trying to pull yourself up? What do you think you're doing? Yeah. And people get offended. Like people yeah. really do feel personal about it. And look, I, I think most people, when you talk about health and fitness, I think most people can get on board with the fact that you probably have to be doing some kind of working out, mm -hmm. right? Like I think most people sort of understand that as a baseline and a lot of people start there. That's where I started. But when you tell people that you have to fundamentally change 
the the things that you are putting in your body and mm. the things that you're eating and you might have to change something about the things that you enjoy mm. that journey becomes sort of a lot more difficult to process and you start really just wondering where this is all going and you like start then start thinking about okay maybe i'm gonna be miserable doing this whole thing because i might not be able to eat some of those things that i used to enjoy and those things that i used to like and you're going against the current i think that's right. the thing you know like one of the one of the reasons why i'm not a vegan is because I did it in high school and I was just at a certain point I was like I I miss being able to go with the flow right I'm like a teen stoner mm-hmm. I want to I want to eat the snacks that my friends are eating I'm tired right. of reading the box and oh my god I can totally eat this I can totally eat this I can totally eat this way you fucking piece of shit <laughs> ah why is there way there doesn't need to be way in this get out of here yeah and I think it's 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 hard to go against that current and I think that's one of the things that is um with both fitness and diet is we lack a lot of the group support structure. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's hard to find friends to your schedules and neighborhoods align to like go work out together. That's like not an easy thing. But when I knew, um, I dated someone that lived in a vegan cooperative house. Mm. And so you didn't have to be vegan to live there, but all the group meals were vegan Mm. and they didn't allow meat in the kitchen. Yeah. Oh my God, game changer. I was like over there, I was like, this is not me hanging out with all of my carnivorous friends in high school yeah. and just being like, I guess I'll eat nothing. Right. It's like, there's great food to eat all the time. If everyone around you gets on the same page, it makes such a difference. Yeah. And look, and as much, it's it's hard because while part of it is you you do need that support from other people. It's also such an incredibly personal journey. Exactly. It's it's like a little bit of both at the same time where you, yeah, you want the love and support of people and so, sometimes love and support from people who might not understand. Mm-hmm. And the love and support of people who might not necessarily know yeah. how to help, but they can be there to give you an emotional push, right? Um, but at the same time, it's, no, I need to figure out what works for my body because my body is not the way that the other person next to me's bodies work. Yeah. And it's not the other per- the way the other person's body works, which is why I hate like these sort of cookie cutter fad diets. It's why I hate cookie cutter like workout programs that are really built by genetic freaks for genetic freaks. Yes. Oh, th- with the whole self-help industry, it's the idea of like... I this worked for me. I wake up at 4 a.m. and jump on the trampoline and then write 10,000 words and like go swim in my Olympic sized pool. And that's how I start my day. Maybe somebody else is going to have a great start to the day by sleeping in. Right. And that's exactly what they need. And then they're going to stay up all night doing the things that make them happy. Absolutely. And everybody's different. So I think you're right that it's not cookie cutter. And especially with um, what you said at the beginning about like, how do I feel happy in my body? Yeah. People can totally be fat by societal standards and that's their body and fitness and exercise doesn't mean they have to like change their body type right. it just means they have to find what's making them happy and i think there's a lot of things that are in our society right now that keep us from those realizations by dangling this idealized version in front of us yeah and i think that there is to your point somewhat of a delicate balance mm-hmm. right because i don't think we should ever fat shame each other. Yeah. Um, but I also think there's this also other part of it where maybe you should care about your health. Maybe mm-hmm. you should care about your heart health. Maybe you shouldn't necessarily just put certain things in your body that 
are going to affect it in a specific way. Yeah. Right. And you can totally find happiness as, as a bigger person. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you want to live a certain lifestyle, um, you can also do that. Years ago, I talked to a therapist who I, I forget if he had a term for it, but he's like, you know, if someone if someone comes in and says, Doc, I, I smoke all the time. I, I, I'm miserable. I smell like cigarettes. I, I can't breathe. I can't walk up my stairs. I feel like fucking shit. I need your help. Help me quit. That's one thing. And if someone says, look, Doc, I've been a smoker my whole life. My whole family were smokers. I love nothing more than a cigarette. Am I going to die early? Probably. But I don't want to quit. Then he's like, my job is not to push that person to quit. Right. And so I think there's a very big difference between that sort of yeah. um, conscious decision and then where it gets really tricky is there's the defensive reaction right. of like, I'm going to identify with the thing because I'm afraid of the possibility of right. changing. You know, Absolutely. when the person talks about exercise, oh, I'm going to loudly proclaim that I could never do that. Like, no right. way. Oh my God. I, I could barely do a sit up off my couch, you know, <laughs> and it's that point of pride. Right. Like people are so quick to inform you. I could never be vegan. I'm addicted to pizza. Like, yeah. you know, it, it just comes right out because we all want everyone to know this is our identity and we're afraid to step out of yeah. it. Yeah. And one of the things I've realized is that the differences between 334 pound rich and roughly 210, 211 rich is just the weight. Right. Like the the fundamental things that make me happy are still the things that make me happy. The things that drive me are still the things that drive me. Maybe some of my sort of tactical goals in life have changed. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I I think I've realized that part of my life's mission is to help inform people and help people along their journey and share my story. And mm-hmm. then hope that through the the things that I share that I can help someone. But fundamentally i'm still the same person that i was before yeah uh so with your with your mission and with helping let's get into the magical portion of this um for people that are listening at home and uh, you know have maybe a similar story or you know are are just trying to figure out how to get into the the labyrinth that is fitness and and health um where what's the least we can do what's how can we get started I think the thing that you can do is identify the one thing in your diet uh, that you can cut back on. Mm. And it's not cut out, Mm -hmm. right? I don't want you to necessarily stop eating ice cream today. Cold turkey and every ice cream ever again. No ice cream and no cold turkey? Can't have either? (laughs) Oh, man. it's That's my favorite combo. It's next time that you have it, have a little less. Yeah. And the time after that, have a little less. Right. When, the, when I think about my love for coffee, I, I drink tons of coffee still, uh, probably more than I should. Mm-hmm. But I think about how I changed my cup of coffee. And the first thing that I did was added one less sugar to it mm-hmm. and then added another less sugar to it and added another less sugar to it. And until there was no sugar. And yeah. then I cut out the cream. Yeah. And, you know, now I have my coffee black. Yeah. Right. It's making Just a the black sl- coffee enema every morning. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> You know, it's it's making the little sustainable changes that you can keep and mm-hmm. you can adapt to and that you realize, oh, man, now that there isn't all this sugar and stuff in my coffee, I can taste what coffee actually tastes like. Yeah. Fancy dirt. 
Yeah. Oh, it's very fancy dirt. Um, and what about on the other side of it, of with like the fitness? How do you think for people who feel very intimidated by the gym? I'm talking about me again. You know, I think it's starting off slow. Yeah. Right. Um, you might not be in shape to go run a marathon today Mm -hmm. and you probably shouldn't go run a marathon today. Uh, I think that you can jump on the elliptical, right? Uh, Jump on 10 minutes, right? The next time you go, jump on 15 minutes. That's I, I I've, I've been doing the stairmaster. Yeah. I, I like I like the stairmaster, yeah. and I I started with sixty nine flights because I like that number. Of course, and um yeah, have slowly been increasing it, and you know it, it it's actually kind of surprising how quickly with the cardio you can up the ante. Yeah, and and even if you're just consistently doing that mm-hmm. that those sixty nine flights, yeah, try to do them faster next time. Well, that's what I've been mixing around. Is yeah, like I've I've gotten up to doing ninety, and then I was going back down to do sixty nine yeah. at a faster rate, or um, yeah, just trying yeah. to and it's the play with it a little bit. Yeah, the important part is to remember the only person you are racing against is yourself. Boom. And the only person that you have to compete with is yourself. It's not the big muscly dude uh, down, you know, down in the weight room. It's not the, you know, the pretty blonde skinny girl that that is over there mm-hmm. doing some weird thing with uh, with some elastic bands. Yeah. It's you. It's you. Right? And your overall goal is to try to, in some way, uh, to the best of your ability, progress from where you were yesterday. Because that progress only builds over time. And if you end up, quote unquote, cheating mm-hmm. and you skip a day, cool. You yeah. skip the day. Go back the, next, the day after. Yeah. Because, you know, there you can continue, right? And you can continue to make progress no matter how far uh, you may stray away. And no matter how far uh, you might fall off the wagon or how hard you fall off, you can always... Get yeah, it's, it's the really strict ones that are so fragile. Like yeah. I've, I've always found that I'm like, when I'm like, I'm not going to miss a single day of meditating. I miss one day. And I'm like, well, I guess I'll never meditate again. That's how I am with yoga right now. Oh, I yeah. like, I try to do more and more, more yoga uh, just because like as a person who lifts weights, I just generally recognize that stretching things out afterwards makes my body feel really good. And I tell mm-hmm. myself, you're going to do yoga all the time. Yeah. And I realize like you should slow yourself into it and just practice more stretching when you can, when you have the time, yeah. when you have the ability uh, and and you'll sort of be in a better place. Yeah, what I what I found to be really helpful is is my routine right now is so fucking simple. Mm-hmm. It's like five minutes on the treadmill, and then I stretch, and then I do my stairs, and then I'm and then I go home. Yeah, like that's it's a like, great that's start. Like that's all I do, and I always normally have a tendency of like, cool, I've done something for a month, time to turn it up, <laughs> and I'm like really resisting that urge because what I always do is I like get progress on something, then I turn it up, and then right. I immediately break it because I'm like. Well, now it's this convoluted thing because like right. I got cocky and I added a bunch of, of different restrictions and, and additions to yeah. it. So, yeah, I think get in the groove. It's a, it, Look, it's important to challenge yourself. It's important to break out of your comfort zone to a certain yeah. degree. Right. Because you're you're not just sitting on the couch anymore. Yeah. Um, and you're doing something that your body might not necessarily be used to. Mm-hmm. So you to a degree, you might be a little uncomfortable, but it shouldn't hurt. Yeah. And you shouldn't be in pain. Yeah. Being a little sore, maybe at first, but. You progress through that. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Rich. Thank you so much for having me. For more of Rich's work, visit bodegabody.com. 
And if you want to get pumped on the magical power of this podcast as a ritual, go to patreon.com slash this podcast is a ritual where a sacrifice of $4.20 will open up an all-you-can-listen-to magical buffet of bonus content as quickly as I can get around to producing it. But I am producing it, and you're listening to this podcast, and we're exchanging energy, and slowly but surely, we're working the fitness of this magical machine, feeling better and better every day in every way. I'm your wizard, Devin, hoping that you can see through capitalism's lies and find your own way to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. (laughs) 